We are in this series called Experiencing God. We didn't play the bumper, did we? That's, or did we? Oh, yeah, I don't, I, well, how would I know, right? I was uh, changing clothes. Um, the uh, Experiencing God, I, I hope, I really, really hope that you're doing the workbooks um, because everybody that I talk to that's doing them is it's like, oh man, there is so much in here, so much that's just changing the way they think, the way they think about God. Um, this, uh, today we start unit number five. And, um, and so hopefully in, in your pattern, wherever you are, you can jump aboard. Um, if you don't have a workbook, you can still get them from Amazon. We may have a couple of copies that are still around here, but uh, be sure and, and um, take advantage of that. To, if, you're, if you're new, if this is your first time here, let me just kind of catch you up in terms of what's happened in the first four weeks. The messages are, are designed to kind of go along with what, what you're doing in the workbooks. Um, not to take away everything that's happening in the workbook. So if you don't do the workbook, you're going to miss a ton. But if you're doing the workbook, hopefully we can kind of um, plant some seeds that will grow this week as you, as you work through the workbook and, and that will just um, help explain things further. So the first week we talked about this idea that you can experience God, experience God that you, we've got to be teachable. We've got to be open to God speaking to us. Second week we talked about God's will and that Pursuing God's will is different than pursuing God's will for our lives. So those are two very different things. Wanting to just be aware of God's will. The third, uh, the third week we talked about this idea that God is pursuing us in a love relationship. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to love you in a very direct personal way that we can know and understand. Um, and last week we talked about responding to that love, that, that it's, it really is about obeying the nudges of God as they come, that it's about obeying what instruction there is, but we really get to know God when we obey just the conversational nudges that we have from him. Today, we're, uh, we, we start uh, a kind of a two-week thing that talks about how God speaks to us. And so that leads me to the place to say, how do you communicate with other people? How do you communicate with people that you love? We've talked a lot um, over the last 10, 15 years here at North Point, uh, in the time that I've been here over the last nine years, about languages of love, the five languages of love, gift giving and uh, quality time, about uh, acts of service, uh, physical touch and closeness, encouraging words, that that's how we communicate love to each other. But the question that's really here that kind of serves as the intro today is how do you communicate directly? How, how do we communicate directly with each other? How do, how do we communicate um, with the people that we love? And it, that starts with face-to-face -face communication. Right now, I'm talking to a whole lot of people face-to-face, -face, um, but not the same kind of conversation that happens when it's just two people talking back and forth. So we talk face-to-face. -face. Um, when I was a kid, um, we communicated a lot via letters. Like I remember going to church camp and my mom packing stationery. I was going to be gone for, for six days. And I was supposed to write a letter every day to mom and dad and tell them what was, and, and mom, because I was a boy, she addressed, physically addressed the envelopes. She put the stamps on the envelopes and she gave me the, the paper and just said, tell me that you're alive. Uh, uh, you know, we communicate in letters. That doesn't happen very much anymore. We don't communicate uh, through notes or note cards or letters, but that could happen. At, but that was a time when you could mail a letter and it would get there the next day, right? Um, sorry for postal workers, uh, but that, that, that's, that doesn't happen as office. 
Still, we do communicate in written form to each other. Um, it's not uncommon for, for um, Deb to leave a note for me on the island to say, hey, this is where I am, this is what's going on, um, for me to leave a note for her as well. We, we communicate with each other through phone conversations as well. We talk to each other. But that's even, that even has really changed in the last 10 years as well. Um, when, when I was much younger as an adult, um, phone conversations were precious because they cost money. There was this thing called long distance. Uh, you remember that? Um, calling cards that you had to use to, to talk to people who weren't in your area. Um, about 10 years ago in my family, phone communication really kind of stopped with our kids because they said, Mom and Dad, we, we don't want to force our schedule on you, so we'll send you a text. And then you can read the text and you can respond to the text whenever you want. So it was written communication, but uh, through a different kind of a way. Um, email came in and, and we started to communicate by email. So that, that's that written communication again. The world for me now in terms of communication with my kids, with everybody that I was with um, in Missouri this past week, is Marco Polo. Um, FaceTime, one of those at WhatsApp, uh, one of those things where you video call, there's just a gap between when you react to each other, right? So I send my kids a Marco Polo message, record it, um, three hours or three minutes later, they'll respond back, and they're there talking to me, I'm talking to the grandkids, that kind of thing, which is a really, really cool thing. All of that to, to just kind of plant the seed to say, how is it that God communicates to us? How does God communicate to us? What we're going to talk about in the, next four, in the next two weeks are four different ways that God communicates to us out of our relationship with him. The first area is through written communication, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, God, through his word, communicates with us. Next week, we're going to talk about prayer, counsel, and circumstances. As you work through the book this week, um, it, uh, God Speaks Part 1 is really about scripture and prayer, but I'm going to move prayer to next week because I'm not going to have time today. Uh, so, so that will, will come together. Um, let, me, let me pause just for a second and, and communicate something that I think is really, really important for us. I believe with my whole heart that God speaks to us still today. Maybe not in an audible voice, although I've talked to a lot of people who have had an audible voice kind of experience, but God speaks to us. He wants to communicate with us very personally and very clearly, and he does. He speaks through scripture, through prayer, through counsel, through circumstances. Um, the idea that God speaks to us today, it really is foundational for, for this series, for experiencing God. Because for us to be able to experience God, to grow in our relationship with him, there's got to be communication. And it has to be two-way. God has to communicate to us. Um, uh, again, just in terms of foundational uh, truths that, are, that kind of underpin the message, let me say this. For a lot of reasons that I don't have time to really go into this morning, I believe that there is overwhelming evidence that an all-powerful God is real and that he wants to have a relationship with us. Got questions about that, send it, and we can talk about it on the podcast. But I believe with my whole heart that God is real and that he wants to have a relationship with us. If there is a God and he is all good, he's gonna want to communicate with us. If so, God speaking through his word 
is not an academic exercise. God's speaking through his word. When we read the Bible and God speaks to us, it's not an academic exercise. Um, It's a revelation. It's God inviting us to get to know him at a deeper level. I I believe with my whole heart that scripture is essential to, to understanding who God is, to experiencing God, to having a relationship with him. Here's a sample of what the Bible says about itself, about the living power of the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, all scripture is God-breathed. It comes from the mouth of God. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture says about itself that it comes from God. Hebrews 4, the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates to even dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It goes to the very core of who we are. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. When we read scripture, it speaks to what's deep inside us, not just to our heads. Isaiah 40 says, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. There's a lasting power that says that God's word is as true today in 2020 as it, in 2020, in 2022, uh, as it was in 2000, in 1970, in 1550, in 400. God's word uh, remains forever. Jesus said this in John 17 about his disciples. Sanctify my disciples by truth because God, your word is truth. Your word speaks to them about who you are. Psalm 119, which is, which is I kept this, I held this for last because I think that it fits probably the best in, in terms of this whole concept of experiencing God. Um, the psalmist writes, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you can think about what happens in your home at night when all the lights are out and you have to, you have to go to some place in your house that um, uh, you have to go down the hall, you have to go in the living room, you have to go wherever it is. You're desperate for some light that can, that can keep you safe. The light and the lamp become a companion, a guide that walk with you to protect you and to help you see what's, uh, what's all around you. Your word, God, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Um, when, we, when we were in... Um, Africa uh, at the beginning of the summer, um, we got up in the middle of the night, uh, maybe four in the morning, something like that. The reason I woke up was because there were about 20 hippos out in the river outside of where we were, and they were squawking at each other, and it was really, really loud. I walked outside, and I took my phone because I didn't want to end up where the hippos were, right? (laughs) That would have been a bad thing. When I was in college, I attended Cincinnati Bible College and Seminary, a a school that was founded on the belief that it's critical to study scripture in order to be able to know God. The byline of the school, the logo of the school was scholarship in an atmosphere of faith. We were constantly, in the time that I was in school, challenged by Paul's admonition to Timothy to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. The college had a great mindset, 
But there was a danger in that. If faith was just an atmosphere and scholarship was the goal, it was very possible for us to learn about God and not to get to know God. There's a reason why seminaries are often called cemeteries. Because it's a place where you can go to have your faith die if all of it happens up here. Let, uh, here's what I want to do in the, in the next few minutes to just kind of pave the way for your week in the workbook this week to, to uh, lay the foundation for that. Uh, let me share th- uh, three truths that I think are critical as you, that you'll encounter. They're in the book, but I just want to talk about them a little bit. The first is this. Truth from Scripture is never discovered. Truth is revealed. Um, it's, it's, that's a, it's a reflection of this idea that we can study God's word. Um, but the purpose, the purpose of having a daily quiet time, the purpose of being in a life group, the purpose of joining a Bible study, the purpose of being a part of Bible study fellowship, the purpose of going to a Bible college or a seminary is not to learn more about God and about his word. The purpose of those things is to know God more deeply. It's to, it's to have a relationship with him, to have his word transform our lives because he's speaking to us. Truth is never discovered. Truth is revealed. The purpose is to know God more deeply. If you, if you learn more and more um, about things that make you smarter about the things of the Bible, about the original languages, about historical context, about grammatical syntax, you've missed the point of your interaction with Scripture. It's all about God introducing himself to you, revealing more and more of his character, his nature to you, so that your relationship with him can go deeper and deeper. It can be more intimate, and and you can know who he is and hear him speak to you. God is the one doing the work in that. God is the one revealing himself to us in that time. God is the one who is speaking through his word. You will never, through your own intellectual prowess, discover new truths about God. When you do discover new truths about God, it will be because God is revealing himself to you through his word. It's not a great teacher It's not a great pastor. It's not a great commentator. It's God who is doing the work. Um, The the second truth, it feels like just kind of an extension of the first truth, but I want to point it out because the clarity that comes with this, this is the second truth. Understanding spiritual truth doesn't lead you to an encounter with God. Discovering spiritual truth is the encounter with God. When you're reading scripture, And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, God, that's what you, that's who you are. That's what you want me to do. That's not so that that can transform your life in the future. That's God speaking to you right there in that moment. God is the one who's doing that. Don't miss that. Because if it just becomes an intellectual aha kind of moment, you've missed the intimate moment with God. Uh, When you learn new things about scripture or about God's nature or character, that doesn't happen so that your relationship with him can deepen later. 
God is teaching you those things for that moment now. God is communicating with you in that moment. He may recall those truths in the future, but don't miss that he's speaking to you right then because he loves you. A few months ago, I had lunch with, uh, with a uh, guy, a uh, retired guy. Um, he's a successful businessman that I've known, and um, before retiring, he had saved and he invested. He had invested well, and so I invited him to lunch so that I could pick his brain about investing and his investment strategy. The information that he gave me was great, but the interaction that I had with him was even greater. I got to know him better as we talked about what he did investment-wise, but I got to know him better as we talked about his kids and his grandkids and what he was doing in retirement and his health issues and the travel that they had planned as well. It was in the conversation about investing that I really got to know him at a deeper level. When, we, when, when God speaks to us, it's in that moment that, that we encounter him at a completely different level. The information that I got from the, from the investment guy was good, but the interaction with him was so, so much better. Um, Understanding spiritual truth doesn't lead you to an encounter with God. Understanding spiritual truth is the encounter with God. Discovering a new layer of God's mercy or grace or righteousness or love is so special because it can only happen because you're in the presence of God, because you're in relationship with him. The, the third truth that I, that I uh, want to communicate this morning is this. God's word is not a buffet. All right, it's time to start thinking about lunch. God's word is not a buffet. You know what happens at a buffet. You go in and you see everything. If you're like me, when I go to a buffet, the first thing I do is walk and, and survey everything that's available and think, I'm gonna eat that, I'm gonna eat, I'm not gonna eat that. God's word is not a buffet. We can't read scripture and say, oh, I like this part. I like that, oh, I really like that part. I don't like that so much. You know what? I don't want to read that part of scripture because that's just not very appealing. I want mercy and grace. I'm not sure I really want holiness. I want community. I want community, but I'm not really sure I want to confess my sins to anybody. I want to embrace that God made me uniquely, but I don't want to give up my right to do whatever I want with my body. God's word's not a buffet. Sometimes people want God to speak to them and they simply flip open their Bible, turn to a random page and say, God, what do you have for me today? What do you want, what do you want to say to me? Um, let me? Let me just give you a word of caution about that. God sometimes does speak through that kind of experience. But more often than not, it, it can radi radically distort our understanding of who God is when we just simply open up and point to a scripture and don't have any sense of context for it. Um, let, me, let me show you how true that is. If you wanted to open up your Bible and turn to Matthew 27, 5, you would find these words as you're struggling to, to figure out, God, what do you want me to do with, your, with, with my life? What's my next step? Go to Matthew 27, 5, and it says, Judas went out and hung himself. And you think, 
that's pretty harsh. What am I supposed to do with that, God? And so you turn over a few pages and go to Luke 10, 37. And there you read Jesus saying, you go and do likewise. It's there. And it's like, God, is that what I'm supposed to do? Jesus went and hung himself. I'm supposed to go and do that. Likewise, I've got to have some time to think about this. I've got to process this a little bit more. So you turn over a few more pages and go to John 13. And you read that Jesus said, what you're about to do, do quickly. (laughs) Do you understand how dangerous that is? When we proof text, when we just take bits and pieces and try and make sense of it, that could lead us to a very, very bad place. That's not God speaking through that process. It's not God. Um, It's not from God. It's taking words grossly out of context, stringing them together and coming to a conclusion that it's not at all what God intended. Now, if you were here last week, you're saying, wait a second, didn't Mandy get up here and do the right hand to the right hand thing and say, God, what do you want? What do you have for me? Isaiah 41. And that's where she got that. Isn't that what Mandy did? Here's the difference. Mandy's read all the way through scripture. How many times? Seven, eight times at least. She gets context and how all that fits together. So when God prompts and says, go to Isaiah 41, it's it's because she has some sense of what's there and what God might be saying to her. Um, Without that knowledge, without that familiarity with God's word, you're more likely to say, God, speak to me through your word. And you'll hear in the quietness, oh, go to Matthew 32, go to Hezekiah 18, and you'll open up your Bible and say, wait a second, there's not 32 chapters in Matthew. There is no book of Hezekiah. And you'll be lost in that process. Look at God's word and, and, and allow God to speak to you in a way that makes sense. Don't just flip open your Bible, turn to a random page and ask God to give you a word of encouragement hope. He may, but you may just be stumbling along in the dark, looking for a lightning bug to give you enough light to keep you from falling over a cliff. Intentionally reading scripture, intentionally reading scripture is how we discover God's nature and his character. He reveals himself to us there. The more we read, the deeper our relationship grows. So you have to read scripture in a way that makes sense. How do you do that? How, how do you read scripture? Let me, let me just give you some real quick things. I, the first thing that you do before you sit down is, is pray and say, God, would you speak to me as I read your word? Would, would you speak to me? Would you help me to see you, to experience you in this moment? And then have some kind of plan for what you're going to read. Maybe it's to read through a book, through one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Maybe it's to read a letter of instruction, a letter like James, that, that, um, that James communicated to the church and said, here are some core things that you've got to get a hold of. Maybe your plan is to read cover to cover, and from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Maybe your plan is to read the chronological Bible and to just read through methodically, kind of historically, how, how each step happened. As you read, ask God to reveal himself to you and use some basic hermeneutical principles. Um, everyone say hermeneutical. 
Don't you love that word? Hermeneutical. You never thought you'd hear it today, right? But hermeneutics are are basically the study of how you study scripture. It's a, it's a Bible college seminary word, right? Cemetery word. There we go. Um, (laughs) Hermeneutics, the, the, some questions that you've got to ask as you read scripture, who wrote this? Who did they write it to? What were the circumstances that prompted them to write those words? What kind of writing, um, what kind of literature is it? Is it history? Is it poetry? Is it instruction? Is it law, uh, law books? Is it prophecy? All of that shapes um, how you understand what you read in those moments. And then the last question is, is really, really important. What was the intended purpose What was the original meanings when people read this for the first time, when they heard those words for the first time, what was the plain message that they took away from that? Not like what's the fifth or sixth level understanding of that, but what is it that when people heard that they said, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do, or that's who you are, or that's what that means. How did that, how did that original audience apply the instruction? Um, The reason that you ask those questions is because there's a difference between the grocery list that your wife left for you, the entry that she wrote in her journal or diary, and the note that she wrote on the inside of your anniversary card. Three completely different kinds of communication. They each each reveal something about her. They each reveal kind of where her heart is and and what's going on in her life, but the reasons for their writing are very different. It's important to ask those questions, and there are lots of resources that are available online that can help you, that can help you understand some of those things. Um, The staff, uh, your life group leader, they can help you figure that, those things out. When you read scripture, when we read scripture, Um, And we get to know God. We encounter God in that moment. Here are some things that I think are critical that we'll learn about who he is. When we read scripture, we'll come to know God's sense of justice. We'll come to understand that God cares about the poor, the hurting. that That God will provide justice where there is injustice. When we read scripture, we'll come to know God's justice. When we read scripture, we'll come to know God's holiness. We'll understand the character and nature of God and that he is a holy God, that there's not anything bad or wrong about him, that he's perfect, that he's true, that he's consistent, that he's faithful. Um, When we read scripture, we'll come to know God's love, and his compassion for us, for all of humanity, but for us individually as well. When, when we dive into scripture, when God speaks to us, when we have that encounter with him, we will sense his love in a way that we've never sensed it before. If we're reading for the encounter with him. Here's the bottom line. When we read scripture, we come to know God. God speaks to us in those moments. So what do you do with today's message? If getting to know God is important to you, if experiencing God's presence in your life and having a relationship with him 
If that matters to you, dive into his word. Read his word. Read it purposefully. Read it intentionally. Read it, um, read it thoroughly. And read it expectantly. Read it expecting God to speak to you as you read. And then enjoy that time with him. And what will happen at that, in, in, in those moments, you'll see your relationship with him go a place it's never been before. Because we'll see the beauty of who he is and how much he loves us. Let's pray. God, I, I, uh, I thank you for today. I thank you for the moments that we've had. God, I thank you that um, even as we worship, as we celebrate baptisms, new life in you, um, God, as we say goodbye, that you're here in the midst of all of it. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that you've given us your word so that we can know you. Um, God, help us, to be, help us to be a church that's just drawn to your word because we're drawn to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.